Praise the Lord. Dana Nacho, everybody. Today we live different from the way that we came in. In Jesus' name. Uh, I have, it's not so much a message today. It's more a mandate or an instruction that uh, I want to share with everybody. I believe the Lord is leading us in a specific direction. And um, I'm just going to try to be obedient as I feel that I have received it. Um, it's unusual times for, for us, unusual times for our nation. And uh, I believe it's the job of the, the church to respond. Uh, we are saved uh, by grace. Uh, we are loved. We are valued. God has put his mark and his seal on us. It's a blessing to be a child of God. It is the greatest honor. There is no title than, that is greater than being a child of God. There is no identity. There is no ethnicity. There is no uh, accomplishment and achievement higher than being a child of God. There's nothing higher. It's a blessing to be with him. And let's not be deceived to try to gain some kind of a, a value or, or sense of worth from anything other than the fact that he loved me so much that he chose to save me. Uh, me who was not deserving received the most precious gift. If we just cap everything off on there, if he never did anything else in our life for us, he has already done more than enough. It is a blessing to be saved. It is a blessing to be a child of God. And let's not let that compete with anything else. Amen, amen. The son of God, the daughter of God, the child of God. Hallelujah. I know you have projects, visions, plans. That's good. But nothing trumps. Be, not Donald Trump, but Trump's trumps. The, the, <laughs> being a child of God, being called by his name. Hallelujah. Uh, the Bible says that if I am in him, I am a new creation. The Bible says that by believing, he gave me the right to be the son of God. The Bible tells me that once I was not a people, but now I have become a people of the living God. I like these peoples. Mm, say, I like my peoples. So, so I, I, I think it's important that we fully uh, rest our hat, if you would, on that truth and that truth alone. I think sometimes there's a pressure on both the congregation and the preacher when, 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 when we come. We're expecting some new and radical, dynamic, uh, uh, hair-splitting revelation that blows our mind. The revelation that blows our mind this morning is Jesus loves me. And that is enough. That's good enough for me. And if that's not good enough, then nothing will be good enough. Amen? Can we say amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, So if you're not excited about your salvation, there's nothing I say today that will get you excited. This is the exciting news, breaking news. It is the latest news. It is the greatest news. Amen? Amen. so it's important that we, we realize that. I, 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 don't, I was feeling, I wanted to share this because it just kind of, I was preaching at a wedding last week. And this blessed me. I didn't realize it, but the Lord just did something. I wasn't even, you know, weddings, you don't prepare for weddings the same way, wedding preachings, the way you do Sunday morning preachings um, for obvious reasons. But um, uh, the Lord just spoke something at a wedding of all places. God showed up at a wedding. But he said, you know, the instructions that Jesus left with us, like in, in the Old Testament, there's 10 commandments. And in addition to that, the Jewish people had to observe 613 commandments and regulations in order to be in with God. And, and Lord, provi- pro- the, the, the Lord forbid if you break just one out of the 613, meaning if you nail 612, 
but missed just one. It's as if you canceled out all of the good 612 that you did. Can you imagine the bondage, the fear? Uh, it's just a difficult way to serve the Lord. But in the new covenant, it's based on better principles, better promises. There is not 613 promises in the new covenant. There's not even one commandment in the new covenant. There's rather one remembrance. Jesus took the bread and wine and he said, do this in remembrance of me. And he didn't add anything on top of that. Because somehow God knew that our life is so tied to the degree of our remembrance. That if we're remembering right, hallelujah. My friend Pastor Mark, he said that we have a problem. Uh, that we tend to forget what we're supposed to remember. And remember what we're supposed to forget. And it's like Jesus knew that. So he said, this, remember this right here. That's all you have to do. Don't remember me. And then, right? And I thought that was so powerful because remembrance is powerful. Remembering properly, it's the difference between complaining and thanksgiving. Remaining, remembering properly is the difference between behaving right and behaving wrong. And, and I think we sometimes are a little bit deceived. We think that we correct bad behavior by doubling down on good behavior. That's a lie. We heal bad behavior by rem remembering properly. Right? Remembering affects... Uh, oh, hallelujah. Meaning that if I am in remembrance of the sacrifice that was made on my behalf, if I am constantly in mindful, being mindful of how much God has loved me, how much God has valued me, how much he has embraced me, how far down he went to lift me up, that remembrance is a healing. That remembrance is a game changer. So our problem is not the fact that we're not saved, it's that we have terrible remembrance. Uh, in the in the in the tradition of monasticism uh, in the desert fathers, they came up with programs th throughout the day, check-in programs where we remember, not just like in the morning devotions, five minutes before we go to work, but they had like a rhythm and, and a pattern of remem remembering throughout the day because I think they understood how powerful a good remembrance can be for you. Uh, so uh, we are saved, we are children of God, we are born again. But I want us to look at this, take that and, and, and tie that into this verse in, in uh, Acts chapter 17. This is Paul speaking in Athens. And he says in uh, verse number 26, Acts 17, 26. From one man, he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. I, I want us to pay attention. It says that he determines the set time, the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God determines the exact the, the, the time set and the exact places. So our time and our place is designed by God. Right? Uh, who we are, where we are, the circumstances into which we were born, the circumstances into which we grew up, uh, the color of our skin, the language that we speak, the ethnicity that we belong to, it was designed by God. And it's important to add on to that, that God did that for his purposes and not our ethnicity's purposes. Excuse me. He did that for his purposes and not for our tribal purposes. 
He did that for his purposes and not for our boundaries purposes. Hello, Ethiopia. All right. So, so if we came from those places, if that place is the author of our existence, then we owe allegiance and we owe loyalty to that place. But if it is God who put us in that place, then we live in that place by reason, or, uh, uh, we live in that place acknowledging and glorifying and seeking the purpose of God. So if we are particularly a child of God or born again, then we understand whose we are and where we came from. The times that we have been allocated in this world to live, the places it's been designed for God for his purpose. I feel just to hammer that really good because we get deceived sometimes. And we start flying a, a, an ethnic flag or a national flag as if that flag had anything to do with creating us no God says before the foundation of the world I knew your name so let's not get confused let's not let the wires be crossed yes we are in the world but we are not of the world hallelujah we are new creation we are sent to the world for God's assignment not our our color, skin, assignment, ethnicity, assignment. But at the same time, when we are sent to that location and that time and place, it is for a work of redemption. It is a, for a work to represent the kingdom of God in that place, in that region, among those people. It is to be a light in the darkness. It's to do a work of redemption. Can we say amen? The work of redemption is the vision of our church. The reason of our church is redeeming nations in righteousness. Redemption is something that God is kind of, a, uh, he's the one that actually comes up with redemption. We see, you know where we see, re we see redemption right from the very beginning. When God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1 verse 1, verse 2 and verse 3. We see the whole picture or the blueprint, if you would, of God's method of operation from the beginning all the way to the end and everything in between. The Bible says in Genesis 1 that God created everything, but the world that was lost in verse 1, that the world that was created in verse 1 was lost in verse 2, but it was redeemed in verse 3. In verse 3, God said, let there be light, and there was light. So God stood, the Bible says the, the, the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters in verse 2, where there was chaos, emptiness, and voidness. But the Spirit of God was there, and God stood in verse 2. And he spoke, verse 3, into existence. And he kept speaking and he created everything. And the Bible says, and God saw everything and he saw that it was good. Everything that God does is good. God is the author of good. God is a good peoples. He does good things. Don't be deceived. The bad stuff in our lives, it's not God. Because God saw everything that he made, including you. And he said, good. Just say good really loud for me. Somebody help me. Good. That's what God does. Now, just, just a side caveat. That does not mean everything good is God. Right? But everything God does is good. Right? Because we can miss God sometimes because we're chasing the good. Like if she looks good, but that's not what God gave you, you're welcome. I just saved. So I felt deliverance just pop out. <laughs> Lord. Right? Eh? Everything good is not God, but everything that God does is good. Hallelujah. And, and so God does that. He, he, takes, he takes verse 2. The Bible says the earth was formless 
empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. God stood in number two and said, let there be light. Hallelujah. And there was light. So God is in the redemption business. And that means that we being his children, being created in his image and likeness, we are also in the redemption business. And I stand today in the name of Jesus on every number two. Every chaos and every emptiness and every voidness. And as the child of God, I declare number three has come. I declare number three is here. I declare number three and it shall be number three. Because as long as the spirit of God bears witness that the number two season is only temporary. Hallelujah. It is only for a season. It is only for God to show off the number three. The good news about bad news. Hmm? is that the contrast teaches us to appreciate what is good. We would never know what good is unless we had bad. We would never know what light is unless we had darkness. The good news about bad news is that we love good because of the bad. We can compare and contrast and we can see the goodness of God in the good that he does. Without darkness, there is nothing to celebrate when God shows up and shows off. And we are stepping into number three as individuals in Jesus' name. I have come to declare number three for this nation called Ethiopia. I have come to declare number three for this continent of Africa because we are definitely standing in Jesus' name. We are definitely standing in the midst of number two. And after number two, if my math mathematics serves me correct, after number two comes number three. And I prophesy number three. I declare number three. I declare that number two, your time is up. Because number three is inevitable for the child of God. God put us in this place and in this time, not by mistake. Not by accident. I know some of you wish you were some there, something else, somewhere else. No, God put you in that number two by design. I know some of you come from a difficult background. You don't know your parents. You don't know where you, you don't, you're confused about what comes next. But God, you did not come from that mess. You came from God. And God sent you into that number two. And he put you in there because he could trust you with the number two to transition to the number three. Hallelujah. Your mission, church, your mission, child of God. See, see, you are here to reflect his glory in the earth. And he decided to plant you in the bad to transition the bad to the good. He planted you in verse number two to transition you and everything about you, everything around you into number three. Hallelujah. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light. He separated the light and he called it good. And whatever mess your number two looks like I prophesy good because that's what God does that's how his method of operation is from Genesis to eternity and everything in between Jesus was in the grave for three days that's bad but on the third day Verse 3 kicks in. It is prophesied prophesied from the very beginning. It's how God operates. So if your number two is smelling bad, even if your Lazarus is decaying in the tomb, I have come to prophesy to every number two in the name of Jesus. Lift your head. Hallelujah. Pull your rejoicing out of your pocket. No longer should you be in the place of complaining. It is time for number three. I feel a number three anointing. I feel a number three breakthrough. Hallelujah. Can we say amen? amen. This is the destiny of Africa. How do you know? Because the number two is so bad. Huh. It's really bad. Lord help us. Go with me please to Isaiah chapter 32. Uh, I've, I've, I've uh, shared this message before. 
But if I share a message before, it's because it needs to be repeated. And I feel I'm on assignment with Jesus this morning, so you'll have to excuse me. Verse number 14, Isaiah chapter 32 and verse 14. It says, the fortress will be abandoned. The noisy city deserted. Citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever. The delight of donkeys and pasture for flocks. Till the spirit is poured upon us from on high. And the desert becomes a fertile field. And the fertile field seems like a forest. Justice will dwell in the desert. And righteousness live in the fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. My people. Hallelujah. My people. My people. Will live in peaceful dwelling places. In secure homes. In undisturbed places of rest. Amen. Praise the Lord. What we see in this verse is two, this verse, this passage is bookended by two extremes. Number one, it says the citadel is abandoned. It's empty. It's a pasture for flocks and for donkeys. It is empty. It is wasteland forever. But on the back end, it says that my people will live in peaceful dwelling places. The fruit of righteousness will be peace. Hallelujah. Peaceful dwelling places, secure homes, undisturbed places of rest. We see two extremes. Right, but what happens is what we're looking at is a transition of God's blueprint from chapter one, uh, Genesis one verse two, uh, to Genesis one and verse three. It's happening right here again in Isaiah thirty-two, and what we see, however, in this particular passage is that transition is made possible by verse fifteen. It says, "Till the Spirit is poured on us from on high." Hallelujah! It is the ministry of the Spirit. To facilitate this transition from the wasteland to the peaceful dwelling places. That's why the Spirit has come to us. That's why the Spirit ministers to us. It's more than to tickle us. It's more than to give us a doctrinal position. The Holy Spirit comes to help us transition out of verse number 2. And into peaceful dwelling places. Secure homes. Undisturbed places of rest. This is what the Spirit Spirit of God does. Can we say amen? In the book of Ezekiel, the Bible speaks about the river that comes out of the temple. And the river flows out of the temple into the land. It flows throughout the whole land. And it brings light to life to everything that it touches, even crashing into the salt sea and making it fresh. Hallelujah. That is what the river of God does. And the Bible says in Corinthians that don't ye not that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you and Jesus said in the gospel of John chapter 7 that anyone who believes in me as the scripture says that out of their bellies shall flow rivers plural out of them speaking of the Holy Spirit which was about to come upon them without the presence help ministry intervention of the Holy Spirit the wasteland remains a wasteland 
land and verse 2 remains verse 2. But when the Spirit falls upon us, hallelujah, it does not knock us out only to go back to the life that we had lived just as crazy as we did before. But the river or the Spirit of God comes upon us to make a difference on the land, to transition us from the chaos into the blessing. It says that mountains are moved not by might, nor by power, but by the Spirit of the living God. There is a Spirit of God that is on assignment for the child of God to turn the wasteland into a desert and the desert place into a fertile field and to turn the fertile field into a forest. Can we say amen? amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. What the Spirit of God does for us is it connects us to the highest heavens. It connects us. It's a real-time connection to the highest heavens. And what the real-time connection to the highest heavens does, it helps us move accurately. Hallelujah. Not guesswork, but we move accurately with purpose on the earth. Hallelujah. And that becomes so important because there's some things that as much as education is valuable, there's some things that education cannot do. We need the Spirit of God. There's this Hebrew word that I spoke about a long time ago, and I want to repeat it. It's called kara. I like this word kara. Kara is a Hebrew word that it means right time, right place, right circumstances, right people in the right place, in the right elevator, <laughs> in the right restaurant. You just happened. Okay? Education can't do that for you. That comes from the Spirit of God. Uh, there was a verse that when Abraham, if you remember the story, Abraham was, was concerned for his, his, his son and he wanted his son to get married. And he sent his servant Eliezer to go to his homeland and find a wife for his son Isaac. And Eliezer said, how can I go and, and, and how can I make sure there's so many women and there's so many women on the way. How will I know the right one, the one that God chose? And, and Abraham said, don't worry, the Lord will send his angel ahead of you and give you good success. That word good success is the Hebrew word kara, meaning that don't worry because God is with you. There will be no missing with this one. Hallelujah. And if you remember the story, the Bible says he got to that well and just happened to meet this woman who just happened to be the family and the relative, the daughter of Laban, just happened to be perfectly asked for a sign. You remember the story. What's going on is that God's timing. God's timing is perfect. God works all things together to set you up to transition from verse 2 to verse 3. Do you remember the story of Ruth when she was uh, gleaning in the field of Boaz, who was the, the, head, the, the owner of the field? And the Bible says she was, she was reaping, uh, she was gleaning in the field, and the Bible says that she just happened to stumble into the field that belonged to Boaz. The word stumble is the Hebrew word kara, meaning that this is no ordinary stumbling. This is God orchestrating everything. This is God setting you up to take you out of this verse number two and driving you into a verse number three. That because of this kara, that the girl who was gleaning in the field became the owner of the field and became the Mrs. Boaz who got married and had Mr. Obed who became the father of Uncle Jesse. Gosh, Jesse who came the father, became the father of Gosh David. King David who became the grandfather of of. Uh, of, of Jesus. By the way, Jesus is sitting on David's throne to this day. I think that Ruth did pretty good on that day. All right? Now we can call this chance. 
Or we can call this Kara. We need the Holy Spirit because without Him, we're limited to guesswork. Tossing of the coin. And your life is not called by random guesswork. Your, your life was redeemed. Specifically with the precious blood of Jesus. Not for you to live a random existence. But for you to hit a specific target. Hallelujah. To transition verse number twos to verse number threes. I don't know about you, but I feel a number three anointing this morning in the house of God. And so see, without the Holy Spirit, we can't hit the, we can't hit the kara. Our wisdom is limited. Uh, uh, the greatest, the wisdom of our wisdom is limited if we don't have the kara. We don't have the full perspective. We don't have the full leaning of, uh, leading of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the friends of Job? There's a book in the Bible called Job. The story is very simple. It could have been finished in three verses. All right. Job was tested. He lost everything. He did not curse God and God blessed him with double. That's the story of Job. Okay? It's 42 chapters long. And 40 of those chapters is consumed with these three crazy friends. And all of the... May the Lord protect you from friends. Now, if you read the, the, the story, the funny thing is that these friends of Job, they're actually, they're, they're doing pretty good. The counsel that they were giving was actually brilliant. You know, they were quoting scripture. They were saying, you know, surely when you sow, you shall reap. And surely, I mean, they were bringing all the wisdom of heaven. But as great and as, prof and as true as this wisdom was, it was wrong truth. Because it was misplaced truth. It was not an accurate picture of what was going on in the heavenlies. They did not have the Holy Spirit. They had their... And they were relying on their understanding, spewing off the wisdom that they knew, which was accurate and it was good, but it was wrong because it did not come from the highest heaven. It did not come from the Spirit of God. May the Lord protect us from wisdom. James says that there's two kinds of wisdom. There's wisdom that comes from above and wisdom that comes from below. The wisdom that comes from below, it looks good, but it has bad fruit. The wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. Hallelujah. It, it's accurate wisdom. It is in conjunction. It is in concert with the highest heavens. Hallelujah. That when we speak according to the highest heavens, we are accurate. Accuracy. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the lips of the righteous speak that which is fitting. I thought that was so powerful. There is something so amazing about a fitting word. There could be a right word, but if it's not fitting, it's not hitting the target. It's not causing the kara magic to happen. But a, a, a fitting word. Hallelujah. See, some of us just know too much. And what you know, the Bible says where there's so much knowledge, with great knowledge comes great sorrow. Did I just pinpoint somebody right there? For all the Bible verses you know? Excuse me. The Bible says that the Pharisees diligently studied the scriptures. See, thinking that by them they would inherit eternal life. They were diligently studying the what? What's wrong with dealing with studying the scriptures? If you study the scriptures without the help of the Holy Spirit, they ended up crucifying the one they were supposed to be worshipping. And they crucified him according to the, the scriptures. May the Lord help us from friends.
And, and, and scriptures without the leading of the Holy Spirit. They graduated in the book of Acts in the early church. The Bible says that the apostles, they committed themselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. That's what I'm talking about right there. They did not just go to the word of God. They went to prayer. Why did they go to prayer? Because they understood that without the Holy Spirit breathing on this word, without the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us into all truth, without the help of the Holy Spirit, we don't know how to bring the fitting word. Hallelujah. Can we say amen or do something? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The, the, the Spirit designed word. The Spirit breathed word. It helps us to be accurate. It helps us to hit the target. It helps us to cooperate with the kara. I would say that we need the Spirit of God because when the kara is on point, your number two, your verse number two is in trouble. Your number two is coming to its conclusion. Hallelujah. We must fight fire with fire. If the enemy is working overtime to take you out and you are working casually, uh, just laissez-faire, yeah, I go to church. I stamped my visa for church this week. If we are approaching our faith casually and the devil is working overtime, then the breakthrough will go to him. Where the breakthrough was supposed to be given to us. So I'm just coming here as a little messenger. I've received instruction from the Lord to kind of wake up the church to go back to the place of prayer and to the place of seeking God today. Hallelujah. When we look at what we are up against, you know, I, we study a lot about the continent of Africa and the situations we're in and what we need to do. And when you look at the, the evil that has been, that has become the story of Africa. Uh, the deeper you get, the more complicated things get. It's so true. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. And I found that there is evil behind the evil that's more twisted than the evil. And behind that, there's another more, more wicked evil. It is, it is an agenda that is so wicked. The heart of man is wicked. The soul of man is perverse. The deeper you go in the layers, the more we are, we are not against a little contract that let's sign a development program to help Africa. The problems are not solved through development programs. Somebody needs to engage this evil behind the evil, behind the evil. By going to the heavens, behind the heavens, behind the heavens. Because the solution for this evil does not come from an earthly source. There needs, if we're going to transition our continent from verse 2 to verse 3, we're going to have to have a response from the heavens and the highest heavens. We're going to need a direction from the Spirit of God like never before. We're going to need Him to, we're, we're going to have to need, need Him to breathe on us like never before. So I am, I am feeling an unction in my spirit to call the church to a season of prayer and fasting because I believe that as we pray and fast we position ourselves to be in concert with the highest heaven and when we are in concert with the highest heaven the spirit poured on us from on high it will come in the kingdom of God that is in heaven it will come to this earth and we will start to see the blessing of God hallelujah on this land 
The justice and righteousness, the peaceful dwelling places. Verse 2 will transition to verse 3 as we engage with the Spirit of God. And I believe that the, uh, the announcement that was made by the council this week, it is a prophetic, council, uh, a, a prophetic announcement because I was feeling the same thing in my spirit before I knew what the council had said. The Lord put it in my spirit and I was going to call the church to a season of prayer and fasting. No, because it's, it's, we're up against too much. The evil is too evil is too evil. It's, we cannot afford to play cute in this verse number two. It is chaos. It is darkness. It is emptiness. It is void. So I'm not just calling for fasting and prayer. I am calling for militant fasting and prayer. Prayer with a fight. Prayer with an agenda. My mother is not here today, but she would be so proud of me today because I am calling. Not, she's not calling. I am calling for fasting and prayer. I just had a picture of in my spirit of how dark it is. And if we're trying to continue, I'm not saying that we did not pray before. I'm not saying that we did not fast before. But I am saying that I received a push from the Holy Spirit this week. That the Holy Spirit is calling his church to something a little bit more so that we can manifest his kingdom a little bit more. Hallelujah. Can we say amen? amen. So, so uh, I'm sure many of you heard I don't think we announced it from the pulpit. We, we, we sent the, the communication out on social media and everything. But this year, we're not having Africa Arise. We've canceled Africa Arise. And the reason we're canceling Africa Arise this year is because we received instruction from the Holy Spirit to put a pause on Africa Arise from this, this week, for, for this year. All right? Uh, but I think what we're going to do in this year, you see, success is not having a big conference. Uh, success is not having Pompey and Esther Chungu come to Africa Rise. That was my success, but whew, Lord, did that happen? That happened, didn't it? Come on, somebody. That was good. All right. But, but success, eh, for us who are children of God, success is obedience. And if God says, don't have Africa Rise, and we obey, then we are successful. Right? Successful is not defined in earthly terms. But what we are going to do, and I'm feeling, feeling very, very led of the Spirit to do this, is to call for militant prayer and fasting in this next season. Instead of Africa arise, we will seek the face of God. Right? Now, Emma is not here, so I can't go any further. Next week she'll be back, and we will announce to you exactly what that looks like, how we're going to be praying, what we're going to be doing in the times and the dates. We'll have that ready for you next year. But for now, let's just receive this instruction from the Holy Spirit that it's time to seek God. Hallelujah. It, 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 the solution for the problems of, of the, uh, the continent of Africa, the solution rests in the church of Africa, not in the, in the, in the parliament not in the African Union, not in the Economic Commission for, for, uh, for Africa, not in the U.S. Embassy. We love the U.S. Embassy, come on. But that's not the solution for Africa. The house of God is where God meets us by His Spirit. The river flows from the temple of God. I don't see any river flowing from this national stadium. I don't see any river flowing from any UN agency. Now, if you work for the UN or any UN to develop NGO, God bless you. We love you. But you are there not as an embassy or a UN employee. You are there as a child of God to birth a river of life in that place in Jesus' name. Solution comes from the house of God. Solution comes from verse 3. It comes from the house of God because we are the people that's been born again of his spirit. So, so we are entering not into a, a, a 
how do you say this? Just a generic faith. We are into a real live wire connection with the Holy Spirit. This is a season for us to see God in an unusual way and to cause God to look upon this nation with a different eye. To stretch forth his hand on, upon us. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. I, I, I want to just kind of, hallelujah. Can we say Amen. I, I want to wake somebody up, you know, like we, we fall asleep too much in the church of God. I, I like the verse in, 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 I think it's 2 Kings. The Bible says that uh, uh, Elisha was in the city of Dothan. And from the city of Dothan, he was controlling the entire Syrian army. One man, because he was connected to the spirit realm. The Syrian army was saying, who is working against us? Who is the betrayer inside our camp? And they said, no, there is a man of God in the city of Dothan who hears the very things that you whisper in your bedroom. Because he has a Kara real-time live wire connection. His Wi-Fi is fully connected. Come on, somebody. All three, four, five bars are fully lit. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. When, when, the, when the prophet Elijah heard that the Syrian general Naaman was sick, he said, bring him over here and let's see if there is a true report. And we will see that there is a true prophet in Israel. Hallelujah. I like that kind of attitude. He's not just like a Christian and God, please help us. He was saying, no, bring that mess here. I'm the one who has the solution because I know who has called me. I know who I am and I know whose I am. We need some more attitude and back-breaking, some kind of militant posture in the house of God. We've been sissy Christians for so long. We're just proud to be called Pente. Are you Pente? Yes, I am Pente. Shut up with that Pente business. Get a little bit militant. Hallelujah. Our struggle, our fight, our warfare is not against flesh and blood. We have been put in this time and in this place to make some noise, to change this verse number two and shift it, graduate it to verse number three. And if Elijah did it in his time and he was doing his mission in his time, then I do my mission in my time. He put me in this time and in this place in these circumstances for his purpose and not my own. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I've just come to sound the alarm. Wake up the sleeper. You are a giant. You are a garden. You are an army. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's a little bit of a deception to have like a, a band like this playing to set you up every Sunday and a worship team like this and having ushers that serve and a congregation. But this can put you to sleep because you're going so good. We have good service. We have good pro. What church do you go? I go to Beza Church. Praise God. I heard about that church. They have that amazing pastor. Yes, the amazing pastor. <laughs> Listen, church, we are not called to be cute. This is warfare. Either we are plundering his kingdom or he is plundering our kingdom. One of the two will be plundering and it might as well be the people of God. We are put in this time and in this place for God's agenda, for God's ministry to come on this earth so that this region of the world would start to smell like it is in heaven. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I like what John the Baptist said. Because he also served God's purpose in his time. 
And he accomplished his agenda in God's time. It says in verse, in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 3, hallelujah. He said, a voice of one calling. In the wilderness, in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. That's number two. Hallelujah. Stand in the wilderness, stand in number two and prophesy number three. Make straight in the desert wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up. Every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level and the rugged places plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I copy-paste that from the mouth of Isaiah that was handed to the mouth of John the Baptist. I copy-paste that to my time and my place right here and now. Hallelujah. Let every mountain and hill be made low. Let every valley be exalted. Let this verse number two turn to verse number three. For it is not by might and it is not by power, but it is by the Spirit of the living God. Go with me to Psalm chapter 24 and verse number 7. It says, lift up your heads, you, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Hiya. Hallelujah. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is he, this king of glory? The Lord almighty. He is the king of glory. Hallelujah. Can we say amen? You see, the king of glory will not come in unless the gates are lifted up. The king of glory won't take his place until the gates are lifted up. So it says, be lifted up, O ye gates. If the king of glory has not showed up, it means that the gate is blocking his entrance. Can we take a season of militant prayer and fasting to lift up these gates? Hallelujah. Lift up the gates over our government. Lift up the gates over our nation. Lift up the gates over the continent of Africa. This continent of Africa that looks like a wasteland. It's funny, like Africa is both the richest and poorest continent at the same time. All right? You know, the Bible says that the desert shall turn into a fertile field and the fertile field into a forest. You know what that tells me? It tells me that the forest was always in the desert place. It was just missing some Holy Spirit water to flow over that place. Welcome to the continent of Africa. We are desert place not because there's no forest here. It's because the forest needs some living water. The forest needs a river. Can we lift up the gates in Jesus' name? Can the King of Glory come into our region in Jesus' name? So, so this year, this year there's no Africa Arise. And I apologize if some of you had plans and things like that. But this year, we won't have Africa Arise. We will have prayer and fasting, seeking the face of God, pulling on the resources of heaven, opening the gates, making a way in the wilderness, making the crooked places straight and the rough places smooth. 2024 will be verse number two, prayer and fasting. But next year, 2025, my friends from Kansas, you picked up, it would be good. You came on the assignment of God. But I would just like to put a little advertising and marketing for next year, 2025, Africa Rise. You are welcome. Just see what we look like a year from now. 20, 2025. 
2025, Africa Arise will move into our new building. Hallelujah. And I believe that moving into a building, I mean, there's a lot of people that move into building. I believe this is like a prophetic move into a new building. This is like, and I believe as we step into this new building, the king of glory comes into Africa. The gates shall be lifted up and the king of glory will come into our nation. It will break the injustice. It will break the unrighteousness. That justice and righteousness will flow like a river. Hallelujah. And the peace, the desert places, the wasteland will become a peaceful dwelling places in undisturbed places of rest. I heard the Holy Ghost. He just said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we say Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. It's time to really press in like never before. It's, it's, it's like desperate measures. Hallelujah. If you have been like me, I've been, I'm very aware of the personal challenges that so many of us are facing. I'm very, very aware of the challenges that we are facing in the nation at this time. I was, I was so blown away by the fact that when this word was filled in my heart, the council also received the same word calling all the churches to fasting and prayer. It is not the word of man. God is calling us higher it is no longer time for playing and messing around it's no longer to be happy that you went to church on Sunday in fact I would rather you not come to church and pray and bring it your breakthrough wherever you are but it just helps the fact that we're all pushing and pulling in the same way in the same direction because there's power when we line up with the heaven's agenda hallelujah and I believe that this will lay the groundwork we don't start building verse number three and verse number three we start building verse number three in the midst of verse number two. And number two is where we are at right now. And we've been in number two for a long time. And I'm getting a little bit tired of number two. And so we're going to take up the game a little bit higher. And God is going to do something very special. It's time. Game, game is over for the enemy in Africa. Hallelujah. I used to say this a long time ago. I haven't said it in a long time. But, you know, uh, the, the Lord uh, allowed for me to go two times to South Korea. This was before Dr. Cho died. And, and it was a, a blessing to see what God can do, how great God can change uh, a number two, right? In the course of one generation. I was so blessed to see what can do through what can be done when God's people come together and pray. Pastor Cho started his church with five people in the poorest area of Seoul in Yodio Island. And that place that he started praying with five people, it's become the hottest property in the whole city today. He didn't move to the hottest property in Seoul. He made the hottest property through prayer from right there. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Actually, the, the, the parliament, the South Korean parliament is right across the street. All of the major buildings on that road, it belongs to the church. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, you know, you say, well, South Korea, they must have a lot of amazing minerals and diamonds. And no, the diamonds and the minerals are here in Africa. They have inherited a rock. There's actually nothing. It's like a very mountainous region. There's nothing that grows there. But you know what they do? They take raw crude oil and import it to South Korea, refine it, and export it as finished product oil for profit. May the Lord give us a wisdom from the highest heavens. If they don't have oil and they are exporting oil and prospering. 
And we have oil and diamonds and gold and platinum and titanium and all those metals that go in your phone. And we don't have enough to eat. May the Lord give us an intervention from the highest heavens. May the Lord, may we take this matter up to the highest heavens. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and, and to see what God has done. When we went there, we went to the stadium for the prayer rally. And it was so amazing to see this prayer rally because there was, it was in the World Cup stadium. And there was more people outside who could not get in to pray. Not, to, not, to, not for a concert. They came to pray. And there was just very little preaching, just people just standing up praying, and everyone is praying. And, you know, they pray with the Korean way. They pray very violently, very militantly. Yeah. And I remember the, 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 the president of the country got on a screen and sent a message in the stadium. And he said, you know, I'm so sorry. I could not attend. I had a meeting with President Obama. It was a few years ago. I had a meeting with President Obama, and I could not be there. Otherwise, I would have been there today. I said, Jesus, look at that, the president talking about. And he said, you know, I am an eyewitness of how God turned this nation from poverty to prosperity through the prayers of God's people. And he said, I am an eyewitness of this to the point that even to this day, I start my day 5 a.m. every day prayer. This is the president of the nation. And I want to commend the church and the people of God as you continue to pray for the nation. Hallelujah. Pastor Cho is not a big man. He's kind of small, thin. He just passed away a few years ago. Uh, uh, doesn't even like preach like loud. You know, just very soft spoken. He has that funny smile, the Korean smile. Hamasamida, Kamasamida. And, and it's very simple, but see, it's not by might. You know, we, we like to shout in Africa, but we're still poor. That it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by the Spirit of God. May we tap into the highest heavens in some capacity to start the rain, lift the gates so that the King of glory may come in. Without the King of glory, we are nothing. And we've been given a small window of time and place to make some noise. So we'll be announcing next week. I want you all to get ready for that. If we could all stand on our feet. It's good to be in the house of the Lord not just to hear a message, a preaching, but a declaration that says the Lord. You know, in many ways, what people say end up being just a talk, a chat, a preaching, a discussion. But when God speaks, you have heard it today. That's what happens. Uh, I just want to read one verse where First uh, Samuel chapter 16. It talks simply about now Saul died and Samuel came with oil and poured it on the head of David. And he said, from that day onward, completely, the life of David was never the same again. And I'm just praying that from today onward, 
because of what you had heard from God will bring such a transformation in your life and in your mission and in your ministry. I think God has spoken distinctively. Sometimes we attach too much to our professions and our upbringings and our degrees and all other matters that connects with us. The most important thing is today, what, have, what has God spoken to you? What the Holy Spirit confirmed in your spirit? That is what would make a difference wherever you are. It doesn't matter where you work, what you do. But remember, the power of the Holy Spirit is there to make a distinction through your mind, through your heart, through your voice. And that's what I am really praying for all of us. As we go out, say, I am anointed by the Holy Spirit. This week, in whatever profession or engagement you are in, the Holy Spirit, expect Him to speak through you and to make a difference. The environment, the office, the situation where you work will be a different story next week because of your presence, because of the voice and the authority of God that comes through you. Father God, we are so grateful this morning the way you spoke to us clearly. Lord, it's the choice we have to make. The disciples wait upon the Lord. They only moved after they were charged with the Holy Spirit. Ten days, yes. But the Holy Spirit came and what happened? They declared the story of God's message to the generation. And in three years, they turned the world upside down. May it be so wherever we are, whatever we do, whatever responsibility we are given. In Africa and the rest of the world, we need this word to be heard. The Holy Spirit is here to make a difference to recreate our stories. We are going out with expectation, believing God who has spoken will transform the power of His Word through our lives this coming week. Repas up your hands and receive the blessings of the Lord. The Lord bless you. The Lord shower his face and his blessings upon you. The Lord guide you. The Lord give you grace, strength, and stamina to be militant in your assignment wherever we may be working, living, doing. God be with you as you go out. God be with you as you come in. May the Holy Spirit be there all the time to remind you that you are a person with a mission, with an assignment to this generation. God bless you with peace. God bless you with joy. And God bless you with discernment. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people say, Amen. God bless you. Give him praise. Give him praise as you go out. Bless one another.